Welcome. You are about to enter the Wooniverse. In five, four, three, two, one. Transport complete. Come inside a mystical, magical portal between worlds. We come into this world as little balls of consciousness. Where playful curiosity leads the way and beyond. What are you making it mean? That is the best question on the planet. You won't believe the ahas that come up in every single conversation. Like this bolt of lightning came down. I swear to God, it almost knocked me off my chair. I can't wait to explore this enchanting space with you. That's the best that there's a human being who's free to live a great life. What's better than that? Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast coming to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. Hi there, and welcome to Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine. I'm your host, Colette Baron-Reed. Today, we are joined by the fabulous Shelley Lefko. She's the co-founder and president of the Lefko Institute. She's a renowned parenting expert and the founder of Parenting the Lefko Way. Through her powerful and deeply transformational techniques, and I'm telling you, this woman knows her stuff. I can hardly wait till I interview her. But anyway, she's helped thousands of clients across the world go from struggling to change long-standing behavioral and emotional issues to eliminating old beliefs in a matter of hours. And actually, I read her book. It was a matter of minutes for me when I did her process. So her approach has been validated, celebrated, and published in the Journal of Clinical Psychology and Psychotherapy, and her latest book that I just read, as I mentioned, Hitting the Wall, Eliminate the Beliefs that Sabotage Your Business and Your Life, was just released. And I tell you now, it is a must read. Welcome to the Wooniverse, Shelley. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. You know, um, I met Shelley. We're both part of the Transformational Leadership Council, and I just fell in love with her right away. And I love her personality. And we belong to a couple other groups. And I'm just like, it was very exciting when she sent out an email, said, I have a book coming out. Then I actually got the book and I literally read the book. And I'm like, this is perfect. And she is fabulous. And I love her. So anyway, I'm going to start at the beginning and I'm going to go back to when you were a kid. So what were you like when you were a kid? And were you always interested in human behavior? What was your experience looking at people? Wow. No one has ever asked me that. What a great question. <laughs> um, I was always a searcher. You know, um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I, I hate it. School was not my place because I asked questions and they hated that, right. which is why I put my kids in an alternative school with, no, with none of that. But they would say something and I would wait, but what about this? But what about this? But what about... And they would like be gone with the wind, you know. And so it was not a great, school was not a great place, but I had a great childhood. And um, I was very, 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 very blessed. I had a mother who was an angel. She really was an angel. And my first guru. Cool. And she taught me, you know, uh, my mother gave me a lot of wisdom. She taught me how to be a friend. She used to say to me, boys will come and go, but your friends will be there forever. Mm-hmm. And that has turned out if, you know, everybody listening, take those words because almost eight years ago, I lost my husband, as you know, mm-hmm. who was also an angel. And um, my friends were everything, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So in the way you were parented ended up being something also that you ended up you know, realizing that there were certain really important things that people weren't doing. Also, the way you partnered and your husband became somebody who was so deeply ingrained in this whole world of personal transformation. You took your place beside him and had a lot to offer. And now you're carrying this forward your way in a way that's really meaningful for everybody. I had a very woo-woo experience. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Let's hear it. I had lots of fabulous fun jobs. I was in, I worked for the theater guilds and I saw every show on Broadway. I was in the travel business for 10 years. You know, I'm a hedonist. I love pleasure and fun and life. And, um, I met my husband at, at, um, a personal growth thing called Est. And, um, he kind of downloaded because he was very modest. He downloaded this process on an airplane. He was, he was looking at why do people know what to do and don't do it? So we all know we should eat healthily and exercise, and a lot of us don't. We all know going into a relationship that we should not be going into this relationship, but we go in anyway, right? So we know we should do things and we don't, and we know we shouldn't do things and we do, right? We all know sugar is bad for us, but we love it and we eat it. Right, so Morty said, he, my late husband said, he was on an intellectual, spiritual journey to discover why that was so. And he, he downloaded this process and he came back and he said, I want you to see what I downloaded. And he did the process with someone who said, I want to get married again. And she said, I just can't, I, I'm not meeting the right men. And the relationships don't last. And and he said, well, what do you believe about um, marriage? And she goes, well, marriage is suffocating and you have to give yourself up. And, you know, and I, I was sitting there watching him do this, Colette. And all of a sudden he takes her through the process. She eliminates a belief. And it was like this bolt of lightning came down. I swear to God, it almost knocked me off my chair And I said, that's why I'm on the planet. I'm Mm. here to do this. And 35 years later, (laughs) I'm still doing it, you know. And my, my passion for parenting grew out of the fact that I was listening to people tell me where their negative beliefs came from. Sure. And it's all from uh, self-esteem beliefs are all from childhood, right? And from interactions with parents. So I said, stop, stop the train. <laughs> right. got to train parents to facilitate their children to create positive beliefs about themselves in life. This is so interesting. So let's let's actually unpack that a little bit because when I think of my parents, for example, my father was 50 when I was born and he came from Serbia after World War II, uh, which was former Yugoslavia. It was, it was not what it was now, right? So I think uh, Tito was his boyhood friend and actually enabled him to escape into Trieste during the war because they knew each other. They were, and my dad was a, like a, oh, it was just crazy. Anyway, he came to Canada. My mom was much younger. She was 20 years younger. She was German of Polish 
Polish and French descent. And uh, her father, who never married her mother, was a French Jew who was killed in Dachau, right? And her, the, pe- the people who raised her, her mother was killed by a bomb, and the grandparents who raised her worked for Albert Speer, who was nicknamed the Good Nazi because he kept the the Jewish employees employed, right? So she had, she came to Canada and decided she was going to completely reinvent herself. Uh, So not only did we never know that we had a drop of Jewish blood in us, right? Um, But my mom didn't tell us anything until we were mid-20s, but she came in with the belief that we were not safe, Right, that safety was something that you a could never say who you really were, right? Never say she was engaged actually to. Uh, we found out at way all these things later. Who had been a former SS officer? I mean, it was crazy. Like that nobody knew her background, and she was hidden with a family who adopted her. It, oh, oh my God! It was just like so crazy. But I know that she didn't tell me that. But I felt that. So I think what you're saying is that if you could actually use the process also on the parents who have certain beliefs that they are unconscious of, because, you know, I've carried that not safe feeling my entire life. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That if I didn't, you know, somehow acquiesce to the external that I'd make myself okay, that somehow me being completely myself would be very dangerous. Because you can't, you write it back then, World War, you couldn't be a Jew. Like they put the thing on your arm and kill you. That's right. Right. So, uh, so I think the kind of work you do is phenomenal given that someone like myself or my mom, for example, meeting you, she would have loved you, by the way. My mother, she was a hoot, my mom. Um, but I could imagine, because she never, ever accepted that this was in her. It was just, you just did it. I never saw her cry. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. Right? And all these things, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so much there. Um, But we come into this world as little balls of consciousness. Right. And we don't know if we're good enough or not good enough. We don't know if the world is safe or not safe. We Mm -hmm. don't know if money is scarce and hard to get or flows to us. We don't know if it's okay to, you know, to share ourselves or if it's not. And we look, you know, we're born into this little microcosm called our families and we watch and we discern about the world and ourselves based on what we see and hear when we get here. Yeah. And one of the things that is very unique to, to our work is that the reason that you can do affirmations until the cows come home, you know, it makes me laugh because the only reason, the only person who has to stand in front of the mirror going, I'm good enough, I'm good enough, I'm good enough, is somebody who believes that they're not. So you're reaffirming that, you know. The other thing is once you have a belief, right, let's assume, you know, you get criticized a lot as a kid. Right. So the one thing I almost say in every podcast is, Anybody who has a little kid knows when you walk into the house, what they do is they run to you. And what they want is three things. They want affection, attention, and acknowledgement. And the one word question that every, what's the one word question every little kid asks all day long? 
Why? 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 And I, it, my, my, drove my parents nuts. Why? And the teachers too. Why is that? Why? That's Why? right. <laughs> and I've never asked any, I ask people who don't have kids that question and they know the answer, right? So why am I being criticized? Why can't I live up to my parents' expectations? Right. Oh, I guess I'm not good enough. So right. here's the thing. Here's I'm not good enough. So if you're listening, I have my fist in front of my face and my fist is I'm not good enough. That's a belief, right? right? Mm -hmm. Now I'm trying to say I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I'm good enough. I'm good enough, (laughs) right? You can't put something where there already is something. Right. So you have to remove this. So saying affirmations, I guess, is better than not. It just doesn't get rid of beliefs. And the reason is... Because we think we saw our beliefs in the world. Yeah, it's evidence. You cannot not believe something you think you see. So when I say to people, did you ever see, you know, if I said to your mother, did you ever see the world is not safe? She'd say every day of my life. Right. And that's right. But you could see Nazis. You could see living in Germany. You could see Mm -hmm. what happened. But you can't see the world is not safe. You can't see I'm not good enough. You can't see Mm -hmm. beliefs. Beliefs don't have a color, shape, or location. And anything you could see has a color, shape, or location. And that's why I worked with five five Harvard PhDs who had the belief, I'm stupid. I know you wrote about that in your book. I want to hear about that. So what, tell me about that. Like, tell me how that worked. So, well, the first one that happened 30 years ago, we were working at a a big company. We used to do corporate work. And I was working with this staff psychologist and I said, what's your pattern? So a pattern is what you want to change. So everybody listening, if you want to know what your patterns are, they're observable. So this is the difference between a pattern and a belief because people get them mixed up all the time. Right, right. I can't lose weight is a pattern, right? I can observe you being on diets and not being able to lose weight. I can observe you procrastinating. I can see you being anxious or having a fear of public speaking. I can see you getting into relationships that are not kind and loving and nurturing. So those are the patterns. Beliefs are are what cause the pattern. The pattern. A belief is a statement about reality that we hold as the truth. That's what a belief is. And do you think, too, that another reason that we tend to attract similar, I mean, we know that the reticular activating system in the brain is going to take your eyeballs and look for evidence in the world that's going to state that that internal experience is absolutely sure. Here's evidence over there. Here's some more evidence over there. But it has to come from the original belief. And so, and then we keep seeing it because we look for it, even though we say we're not looking for it. But we go, see, look, I was right. There it is again. Right. And I'll tell I'll tell you something fascinating. You cannot see or hear things, and I'm gonna give you a story. Yeah. That's inconsistent with your beliefs. Oh, I'm dying right? to hear this. Yes. So I had a very, very 
close friend who actually started my little parenting business in Connecticut when I lived in Connecticut. And her father was a violent alcoholic who used to beat up her mother on a daily basis. So she had a lot of beliefs about men. Right. And we had just had a session. I did a lot of work with her and her mother, who married a wonderful, kind, loving man after she finally left the father. Right. And um, we had gotten rid of beliefs like men are selfish, men are violent, men right. have all the power, men can't be tried. You know, she had every belief. So we get rid of the beliefs. She also had beliefs about relationships. Relationships don't work. Relationships are horrible, whatever. Mm-hmm. So we're in Fire Island and we're sitting out on the deck and I tell this story about something that my husband did and said that was a very powerful story. Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and she said, Shelly, I have heard you tell that story three times. That was the first time I ever heard it. Wow. I, she said, I could never, it was like blah, 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 these <laughs> words. She said, I heard the story. Right. And that's the thing. You cannot, if once a belief goes away, it's so funny because people will go, you know, that's really not true because I once met a man who was really nice or, well, it's not true that I'm not capable because I just, I did that. So you start to see evidence that you could never see before. This is this is interesting. It was many many years ago. Um, I was doing intuitive coaching with this particular woman around meeting somebody. Right? She says there are no men out. There are just no men. And I'm like, really? Okay. So there's no man for me. There's no men out there. There's just no men out there. And I'm like, okay, here's what we're doing. You're going to go on the internet and you're going to go and look at all these guys that you see on there. You're not allowed to talk to them, not allowed to engage whatsoever. But every day for 10 minutes, I want you to scroll and then hang up and then close your computer. And just then you're going to tell me in a month that there are no men. And she couldn't. But at first she told me the very same thing. She goes, I couldn't actually see them. I would fall, she would fall asleep rather than see the men who are looking for a relationship, right? Because she wasn't allowed to engage with them. I said, you're not allowed to, but she actually would fall asleep. Yeah. Pass right out. Yeah. And I'm like, this is interesting because I'm not a therapist. It was, you know, we would do reading on it. I'm like, this is something way deeper. And then finally she saw enough of them like going, okay, because she didn't know they weren't perfect for her because she wasn't talking to them. They were just like, look at all the nice things they were saying about themselves. (laughs) Right? It's wild. But the fact that she passed out. Yeah. Yeah. From what I understand, I think we can have... Uh, very specific beliefs that can prevent us from moving forward in our lives because though they are so written in stone and we can't see them, but the patterns are there. We're pattern recognizers, so we're going to continue to look, seek evidence in the outer world, and there's no way out of that some way. That's what we would actually believe. The more we see the evidence, the more we believe it's impossible to change it, right? Well, your beliefs manifest. Yeah, they ma- exactly. Yeah. yeah, or... or 
you know, it's an interesting thing. They manifest for you, but there are so many other choices of potentials for th- that you could look at that you're only seeing those ones, right? Mm-hmm. That they man, they come out like they're like the spotlight become- gets on them. Because yeah. I know for me, I got clean and sober um, in January 1986, and I've been so clean and sober ever since. And when I got into a 12-step program, th- this was so crucial because I came in there with all these beliefs about myself and, and particularly my spiritual beliefs that basically God was following me around with a fly swatter going because I was a mistake and that and that the God of my understanding was jealous and angry and pissed off etc etc and that there would be no way that I could have a relationship with a higher power and I had to completely construct a new one mm-hmm. um, and when I was able to do that I was also able to see the evidence but I had to have something so huge happen but from what I understand about your work it's not people don't have to have a ginormous crisis for you to help them. You, they, they can just sit down with you and say, hey, this is what I know. I know this is a core belief I have, and a core belief is different than, yeah. right? And let's talk about that. Yeah, they don't even have, I don't want to go back to the Harvard PhD. Yeah. With, oh, yeah, yeah, good. Let's because go. you're talking about evidence. Right. Um. So no, you don't have to, first of all, you don't even have to know what your beliefs are because I could be napping and tell you what your beliefs are. (laughs) That's great. I'm signing up. I am so signing up. (laughs) But we also have a program that you can do online. You don't have to work with me. But, um, you know, a couple of things. So the first thing is with the Harvard PhD. Now, I said to him, what's your pattern? And he said, "Um, I want to leave. I'm miserable. I've been here for so long. I hate, I hate it. I said, well, what do you believe? And he didn't know. And I said, so when you think about leaving, what's the first thought that comes to your mind uh, about getting a new job? And he goes, I'm stupid. And I said, what? And he goes, I'm stupid. And I looked at his thing and I saw he had a PhD from Harvard and it was 30 years ago. So I said, don't you have a PhD from Harvard? And I'll never forget this, Colette. He looked at me and he said, oh, I conned my way through Harvard. That's the power of beliefs. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. So he spent his whole life feeling like a fraud. Like a fraud. So here's, Mm -hmm. you know, his father, when he was a kid, every time he would get something wrong, his father would slap him on the back of the head and say, genius. Oh, interesting. I would get in trouble if I got Bs. If I didn't get straight A's, I would get a whooping. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Anyway, go on. (laughs) Yep. Thank you for my career to the uh, traditional education environment. (laughs) Oh my God. For every time I've heard that sentence. Um, So there's two kinds of basic beliefs. There's core beliefs, right? So there's your basic, I'm not good enough. Life is hard. Money is scarce and hard to get. I'm not important. I don't matter. I'm not competent. I'm not capable. Then we have what we call survival strategy beliefs. Now, this Mm. is very interesting. Mm. First six years of life, you create six to eight years. Your self-esteem beliefs are created, okay? Right. So now I have the belief that two most common beliefs people have are I'm not good enough and I'm not important. I don't want to go through life like that. That sucks. So one day something happens. Now, everybody listen for yours, okay? And I'll tell you what addiction is. 
So if you get acknowledged for A's or goals, you conclude what makes me good enough. So I don't feel good enough, but then I score a goal or I get an A and somebody says, wow, Colette, you did great. That's amazing. And you go, ah, what? And you feel good enough, right? Mm -hmm. So you go, oh, what makes me good enough is achieving things. Yep. Now I become a workaholic because watch, in my face is I'm not good enough or I'm not important. But what makes me important is achieving things. So it's like holding a beach ball underwater. Right. The addiction is that I have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it because otherwise the beach ball, I'm not good enough, comes up in my face every time I'm not successful. I love that analogy, the beach ball, right, right, under the water. Mm -hmm. Now, let's assume you're the oldest of 10. Right. What do you think you get acknowledged for by your parents? Um, Helping. Helping. Taking care of the siblings. Helping. So now you have a belief What makes me good enough is taking care of people. So as long as you're taking care of people, the I'm not good enough or the I'm not important stays underwater. So you have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. If you are a people pleaser, right? Where did that come from? Well, every time you pleased your parents and they patted you on the head, Uh you said, ah, I have to please people in order to be loved. So I'm not lovable just the way I am. So the way that you know you have a belief yeah, mm-hmm. is everybody say, I'm a monkey. Oh, we're going to say that right now? I'm a monkey? Yeah, say I'm a loud. monkey. <laughs> right. okay. See, I feel silly, right? Yeah. Now say, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. See, I, I, I don't believe that, that yeah. though. So yeah. Because <laughs> you've done your work. But for yeah. most people... I'm not good enough. Even every podcaster right. I've ever done it with has said, "Yep, that does." It. So normally, when you when you haven't done when you haven't eliminated that belief, when you say it, it doesn't feel good. So the first right. way you know you have a belief is it doesn't feel good. And there's one belief: I'm not worth loving. That if people oh, say yeah. out loud, and they have it, they'll cry. Right. It's so painful to even say the words. Right. Right. Um, I said to a client yesterday, say I'm a burden. And she goes like, because given her pattern, I'm figuring out what her beliefs are. And she looks at me, she goes, it's painful when you say it, no less. Ah. I said, you don't have to say it. I just want you to see how that would feel to say So we get rid of the belief. And then I say, take a deep breath, say, I'm a burden. And she goes, I'm a burden. Right. I get it. I get it. It's the charge, the emotional charge that goes along. Like I know if I, if I think I'm not good enough, I've I've been actually pondering that there is an area where I could actually relate that to where I would feel ashamed like that I'd have to go faster. I have to pedal faster, right? Yeah. That I could, that I can remember that. Like I know where that comes from. I don't feel that yeah. way today, but I totally know that that was something that I could yeah. totally identify with. Yeah. And if you think you don't have the, be- not you, but if yeah, everybody yeah. listening thinks they oh, don't have it. the belief, <laughs> ask yourself the question, what makes me good enough? Right. What makes you good enough? 
And if you said anything other than nothing, I just am, you have the belief. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I get it because I then I'm going, well, yeah, but that's because I know why I'm equating it like that because I'm equating it with achievement. And if you're winning. Right? I totally I, get it. Like, I, I don't have that because. <laughs> I wasn't going to push it. <laughs> no, and I'm like, if, wait a minute now. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Yes, I totally get that. And I, I, and there's a couple, like, I'm already going ping, 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 ping in my head. Totally right. I get it. 100%. Because if you're winning, if your survival strategy is yeah. working, beach balls underwater. underwater so here's Claire, yeah. right? Her cards are every place. I was in a in a crystal store with my girlfriend and all of a sudden we turn around and we go, oh my God, look, it's Colette's voice. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. No, but it's true about the achievement part about for, and then also the pleasing part. You know what I mean? And anyway, we'll talk off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because I really want to talk to you. But okay. I think everybody is going to really identify with this because, and I also think too, there's a whole societal um, system of beliefs that we take on unconsciously that mm -hmm. affect us as well. Like women, we can, yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, race. It's like, there's so many, many, many categories. I have to that, be thin, oh to my be God. lovable. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like, oh my God. My mom, my mom put me on a diet when I was 14 years old. And that's actually preceding me becoming bulimic. Never mind. And I wasn't even overweight. I was not overweight. It was the grapefruit diet she read about in Reader's Digest. And all her friends were going on this thing. I know and, it well. And then, I, and, and it was like, I had not even considered that there was anything that I had to change in my physiology. At that moment, I was like, oh, there's something wrong with me. We have to do this now. Like it was trippy. And that's, and I think about going back to 14 years of age. That's wow. It's like so many things where you could, we could talk about a million things that so many of us, those seeds were planted. I know. Mm -hmm. I do. I do want to say one thing to, um, to your, I'm going to be a little provocative. Sure. So spirituality is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And, and being in touch with your higher power and your consciousness and all that, you have to be, not have to be, I, I urge you to be careful that there's something called spiritual bypass. Oh, we talk you about can, this all the time. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, this good. is not new, Shelley. Yes, you're good. right. Okay. Yeah, Perfect. spiritual bypass is something that we're very loquacious about, and we know this is something that, in my world, we don't do. It's so it's so, such an important thing to address the shadow and whatever. And this is an escapism. That's why you know, I love spirituality you. is not escapism. And if it is, yeah. you're not in the right universe with yeah. me. And, and I love yeah. that because you're substantive. I know yeah, you. Yeah, you like have to be. Substance. It's not like this. You know, I'm off in the ozone. Oh, like and in the castle the, in the sky where we're going to be yeah. all like whisked away by angels. That's not Jack, how it works. <laughs> Jack, um, Jack Cornfield. Right. Um, I, I used to go to sittings on Monday night because Spirit Rock is right near my house. Yeah. And I love Jack. And he said, I'll never forget this. He said, I sat, he went to Tibet and he sat at the feet of masters for six months and did a silence for six months. 
and turned his body into white light. And he came home and he was still the same jerk in relationships (laughs) that he was before he left. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that is so funny because it's true. You can have an experience detached from everything and everyone and not having to deal with anything and, and transcend your humanity if you're certainly not dealing with anything other than a bowl of rice and sitting down quietly, not making any moves, right? But then when you get into the world again, and you're dealing with people and you're seeing yourself reflected and all those things from your childhood come right back up again. They don't go away just because you had a white light experience. If you took ayahuasca, if you if you go and sit on a mountaintop and decide to go see a guru, uh, all of those things, those are great things to do if this is your choice to do it, but they do not take the place of real, actual work Beautiful. on yourself so and, and loving and being compassionate with the parts of yourselves that you want to deny and disown. I love that. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> awesome. We have to take a little break now. More with Shelly Lefko. When we return, we'll be right back. And we're back with Shelly Lefko. Shelly, before the break, you were saying. So I, I just want to say one thing because People tell me this is something that a lot of people are not aware of. I'm sure your peeps are aware. But if you had a lot of plants in the house, you would never water just one. Right. Let's hear this. Right? No, you wouldn't. That would just die. Mm-hmm. And yet there are areas of our lives that we ignore. Oh, let's hear about this. This is really important. I'd love to hear this. So a lot of people, and that's the thing about survival strategy beliefs, are driven by what makes me good enough or my achievements. So I'm going to focus on achieving, achieving, and achieving. Or you look at, you know, your beliefs about money. Um, You know, money is, you can't make money with integrity. You can't have integrity and have money, something like that. You know, rich people are bad. Um, money is the root of all evil, you know, all these. So now I totally ignore my money. I've, you know, I spend it, I save it. It doesn't matter. I'm in debt. We don't, we don't go there. Um, so when you look at your life, your, your life, look at all the plants. Am Mm. I taking care of my body? Am I eating well? Am I exercising? You know, because people don't have time for that. And if you don't have time for that, your time here is not going to be awesome. You know, it's either going to be short or, Mm -hmm. you know, you can get sick and tired. And, you know, um, I mean, I get up every single morning for my entire life and went to the gym until COVID. I found pickleball. I know. Now I have a new addiction. <laughs> yeah. And because of you, I bought the whole pickleball thing. I haven't got Mark to do it with me yet because we have a tennis court in the back, like near us. Oh, you, right? can, so make it a, you can make it a pickleball I, court. You can make it a pickleball court. So anyway, we have we have access to one and I'm like, yeah. come on, but let's it's learn fun this. To go. Yeah. I just oh, want to go. Yes. I just want to go do it. It's the best. It's <laughs> the best. It's I could play four hours. Not could. I do. <laughs> like four hours on weekends. But I go in the morning, and then if at the end of the day I'm not going out, I just go play pickleball. 
Yeah. So um, last night after pickleball, we went to a friend's house. They're from, they came from Soviet Russia. And we, we just had, and there was one woman from um, Caribbean Island, and we just had a blast. So your social life is really, if, if you haven't watched on Netflix, 100 Years, The Blue Zone. Right. It's fabulous. I just, I watched the whole thing in two nights. It was fabulous. So it's what allows people to live to 100. And it was all these different things. And it's not just diet and exercise. It's community. It's laughter. It's fun. It's So look at that area of your life. You know, your career is one plant. Your relationships, are you nurturing your relationships? Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't have sex. Oh my God, nobody's having sex anymore. The young people. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like the best <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> what is wrong with you, right? But, you know, I'm too busy. I'm too tired. Well, guess what? My mother used to tell me, if you don't take care of your husband, somebody else will. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my so gosh. So look at all the plants. The plants. And yeah. Door. And the plants, every plant doesn't have to be the award-winning plant at the garden show. They right. just have to be healthy. You know, my career is healthy. I'm not running to get my book on the New York Times bestseller yeah. list. I don't, I'm not doing it. I'm just not. I'll get my work out in other ways. I don't have that drive. I, I'm not, I used to when I was younger, I was very driven, um, mostly around my music career, which ended up switching over to this one. But, um, well, I have two albums on Universal Music. Yeah, so so I had a whole other life and that was where I was driven and I had so many hidden agendas about what that was supposed to do for me. Anyway, I switched over to here, which I never really put much attention to, except it just happened anyway. Anyway, but um, the concept of being driven, ambitious, etc., to fulfill that, you know, pushing the ball under the water has always been something I'm aware of. Self-awareness mm-hmm. is really important. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, when I came to a place where it's like, I love my life, I love... I don't need to be number one. I don't need a New York Times bestselling. I don't need any of those things to make me feel good good about myself or valuable. I just need to know, and this was me, my need to know um, still, but that I'm providing value for people, that there's that there's value and then there's an exchange there, right? And it doesn't need to be big, wide, huge, anything. And there's a liberation there. And then fear goes away because when you're driven, there is fear under, like that, oh my God, that ball's got to stay down there. And the ball gets bigger. Under the oh, water. God, we can have so many conversations. <laughs> oh, my God. Because I just went to fear. And then I just went, and I love, I love my life. Those are four yeah. words you want to be able yeah. to say. And our beliefs get in the way of us nurturing all those plants. Yes, totally. And exactly like you said, your survival strategy makes you go whichever one of those plants it is, that's what's going to happen. So at the end of our process, we do what we call the spiritual part, right? So we have people close their eyes. And if you do our natural confidence program, you'll get this. You don't have to, again, you have to work with me. They close their eyes and we say, where did those beliefs that you just eliminated come from? 
And everybody says, I made them up, right? You create your beliefs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But your beliefs create your life. Like you said, you see things consistent with your beliefs. You you will feel consistent with your all that. So if you believe life is hard, you're going to have a hard life. If you believe there are no men out there, you won't find them, right? So if you create your beliefs and your beliefs create your life, what does that make you? And people go, the creator of my life. Mm -hmm. We come into this world as a little ball of consciousness. Before we create any distinctions about ourselves, life, or people, they don't exist. And people have a very profound experience of who they really are is that consciousness that creates the distinctions that manifest. So there's, and I say in that space, what's possible? And they say anything. What limitations do you have? None. What's missing? Nothing. There's nothing missing in that space. What does that feel like? And they say liberating, which is what made me think of it, is it is liberating to get that you're not simply this creation, this thing, who you really are is, you know, the God of my understanding. Or, yeah, know, the God of my understanding works through me. Creator. Mm-hmm. And uh, my belief is that who we really are is part of God consciousness. I believe the exact same thing. are that which, you know, that, that which is. And I love that because the, the dichotomy is you're both the sculpt. So here's a sculpture, right? Right. And on this sculpture is I'm not good enough and I'm not important and I'm not, you know, and, and life is hard and, yeah. you know, here's this sculpture. But who you really are is the sculptor, right? And as the sculptor, you can look at that sculpture and take those crappy beliefs off and change the sculpture. Because as you said, which I love, you're living here in Tableland. You're yeah. not living in the, you know, blah, 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 cosmos, whatever. You're going to deal with, we used to call it, you know, I never see gurus at the, at, I used to call it the A&P. Which right. Is a, <laughs> you know, you don't see gurus in the A&P. You have to go shopping and somebody's going to knock their card into you or the thing's going to fall off the shelf or, you know, you have to buy things and you don't have money. That's the reality that you're we have living. To, we are living here. And I always say that, so I, I believe that there is a consciousness that supersedes the individual consciousness, but God, spirit, divine, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, consciousness with a big capital C needs us to express itself here. So we're yes. its partner. Yes. So there is a partnership with this so that we are also not alone and we cannot do this world alone. We have to do it in community with others and connection with others. And I think that's, and also to recognize our humanity and not to take ourselves so seriously. You know, there's, there's that too. Like, you know, you got to, yes. you got to look at life. And I think that's when, when we talk about fear, fear brings up that idea that we're going to, you know, sustained uncertainty that we've been through through the pandemic. And then now, and we're looking every time you turn on the news, like there's nothing good, right? <laughs> but it's always been like that. My husband said the other day, he goes, it's like, it's just a different version of the same old story. He said, it's yes. Okay, fine. We're, we're in this 
it's a different version of the same human dilemmas and dichotomies and et cetera, et cetera. And our job is to show up, not bypass anything, but also to recognize that we don't have to identify with all of the fear and the uncertainty, et cetera, that we can learn to be the eye in the storm, to watch that storm and stay here and stay grounded in it, right? And and that takes work and takes time. And, and I think that work like yours, like when I read your book, I was like, oh, this is, everybody needs to buy your book. <laughs> Seriously, you. it's so Thank good. You. I just, I want to say two more very quick sure. things. Okay, great. So, so the first thing, I'm going to give you a tool to get rid of any negative emotion in the moment, right? Okay, so I'm going to leave you with something really useful. Okay. But I want to go back to one other belief that we didn't talk about. The belief that ran my life was what makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. Mm. So I would walk away from conversations going, oh, did I tell Colette I love those headphones? I can't see them, but they look like they're very sparkly, you know, or did I ask about her new deck of cards or was I wearing the right thing on the podcast? Because it was constantly, what does this one think? And what does that one think? And if I was in the room and a hundred people 99 liked me and one didn't. My life was dead, but all about that one person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my mother only cared. She didn't care if I failed every subject, what she cared about. And that's not really true, but. No, I know. It's just, yeah, you're taking a piece. What she cared about was that I was popular, included, and loved, right? (laughs) That everybody, like, that I was happy. She couldn't stand to see me unhappy. So if everybody, oh, you were invited to the party. (gasps) You weren't invited to the party. You know, so I had the belief what makes me good enough is having other people think well of me. Mm -hmm. And that belief is not only the most common belief, but when you get rid of it, when that belief goes away, that's when you become your authentic self. Oh, that's important. So, so now, and it isn't, so listen, this is an important distinction. I'm mm-hmm. a distinction girl. I like it's that. not, mm-hmm. I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. It's not that. I may care, I may not care, but I may care a lot if one of my friends doesn't love me or want to be my friend anymore, I might care. Here's what's changed. It no longer means anything about me. Right. I no longer define, define yourself. Ah, yeah. And what mm-hmm. you were talking about before, Colette, I believe is the only thing that really juices us in the end is making a difference. Yeah, yeah. If it's, I get it. Thinks about a time where you made a difference in somebody's life, how that felt, mm-hmm. that's the juice. Mm-hmm. So now, if I'm not worried about what everybody thinks about me, I'm here to serve. Right. The value piece. It's like, I'm here. I'm not here for the impact. I'm here for the value. The impact's out of my hands. Yes. I just want to make a difference. I want to serve. I want to change people. I want, when somebody says, gets on every day of my life and says, Shelly, I don't worry about this anymore. I'm not scared anymore. I don't have anger. One client said to me, it's 37 days and I haven't woken up with anxiety. That's huge. <laughs> when are you going to stop looking for it? Oh, right. Yes, that's right. Right. 
<laughs> I wake up in the morning, I have no anxiety. That to me is like, yes, that's the best that there's a human being who's free to yeah. live a great life. What's better than that? But I get it. It's not about, it's not anymore about your identity. The question that I ask always in Oracle School uh, to all my students is, what are we making it mean? Ah, that's where, that's where I that's, was going That's go. our number okay. one question. And who do we need to become? Those are the two, two things that we work on. So yeah. I love that. So here's, here's the thing. We're so aligned. I know. I, I knew it. this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you making it mean? Okay. That is the best question on the planet. So I'm going to take it a little further the way sure. we do it. You know, yeah. we all have our different ways. So my late husband did a TEDx talk on this. It's called How to Stop Suffering. First of all, meaning comes from, mostly comes from our beliefs, right? So yes. if you believe dogs are dangerous, the dog comes in the room, you're going to give it the meaning, he's going to bite me. Right. It's the meaning that creates our feelings, right? Right. Always. So anytime you have a negative emotion, and by that, I mean an emotion you don't want. Okay. Right. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Negative emotions. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be unhappy. I don't want to be anxious. I don't want those emotions. They don't feel good. I'll have them. I'll feel them. I'll say, thank you very much. And then I do this process. Yeah. So the process is what happened? Colette didn't call me back. What meaning did I give it? She doesn't care about me. What else could it mean? Come up with one other possible meaning. Well, it could mean that she got busy and just forgot. Now, here's the question. What does it really mean? What do I know for sure because that happened? The answer is always. I don't know. No. No? And what is it? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Events ah. have no inherent meaning. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay? So watch, you're in a room and somebody you know comes in and doesn't say hello to you. What might you automatically think? Anything, just make it up. They're mad at me. They're mad at me. Where did that meaning come from? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, oh, maybe some, an experience no, that I- No, 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 no. My no, belief that if somebody no, doesn't talk no, to me, no. no. What is where it? Does the, where does the meaning come from? Where do you think? My, my head. My Your mind. Head. Everything comes in the mind. My thoughts. All meaning. They don't like me. It's going to be a bad day. I'm not getting this job. Uh, she doesn't like me. Meaning comes from your mind. It's right. in here. Yes. Meaning is never out there. There, yes. So if meaning is in your mind, do events have inherent meaning? No, because they're all in your mind. Right. You're, now, you're the one assigning meaning to them. Yeah, but 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 that's all. All of that is true. But I just want the. I want to have a dead stop. Okay. Do events have inherent meaning? No. Another way of saying that is we don't know anything for sure because something happens. I'm going to give you an example. I had the most exquisite 35 year marriage imaginable. Okay. I was married to an angel. He died. I was devastated. A, 
I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know the difference between a P&L and a balance sheet. And I never wanted to run a business. It wasn't anything I, it was like the last thing I'd ever want to do. So I'm going to starve to death, right? He dies. I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to be happy again. And then I tell the Marcy Shymoff story. (laughs) So my girlfriend came to me and said, I will be the person who will always remind you that you can still have fun. Right. And she did that. Yeah. So when he died, there were consequences, but the events have no meaning. In other words, the fact that he died didn't mean I was going to starve to death because I stepped up and my business is now doing very well. It doesn't mean I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. It doesn't mean I'm never going to love again. It certainly doesn't mean I'll never be happy again. Mm -hmm. So the events have no meaning. Mm -hmm. We don't know anything for sure because something happens. So I was on a huge podcast with a hundred million downloads, right? Mark Hyman's podcast. Oh yeah. Okay. And he texts me and it was, and he shared about being my client and personal stuff that I never thought he would share. And I went, oh my God, this is amazing. And we get off and I'm about to go into a course that we teach how to do this too, which, right. And I tell, and, and, oh, he texts me. I don't, he was out of town traveling and goes, I don't know that I got it. What? I don't know that it it got recorded. Oh no. And I start to go down the tubes (laughs) because here's the meaning. It's never going to be that good again. Um, uh, He's so busy. I don't know when it's going to happen again. And then I said, Shelly, what happened? Mark texted you. He doesn't know if he got it. What meaning did you give it? It's never going to, what else could it mean? Could mean he does have it. It could mean it's going to be better next time. But the fact that he texted that to me has no meaning. The meaning is in my head, not in the events. Okay. I go in the course. I share the story. I'm fine. It is what it is. Five minutes before the thing ends, he goes, I got it. I got it. it So it saves you suffering. Right. To ask this question. Oh, it's fascinating. I get it. I totally get it. If you remind yourself in that moment, because we can spiral out in these, you know, these vectors of meaning. And as a matter of fact, too, because I did, remember I texted you a long time ago on the WhatsApp and you didn't get the the initial text. You go, how did I not see this? I don't know. And I did think, she doesn't like me. Yeah. (laughs) Right, 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 and I'm like, I gotta snap out of that. Like, why am I making it mean that? Right? It was especially in the dating world. Oh God, they didn't call me. You know, right? (laughs) I I just, I had the best, best, best experience. So when you get rid of your self-esteem beliefs, I went on my second date in eight years, and I go out with this guy for coffee, and I look at him, and yeah, he's not my guy, but. I said, Shelly, my girls tell me I'm too fussy. Give him a chance. So we have this really good conversation. He's conscious, which is my number one thing, yeah. right? And he's done his work and we're having this conversation. I'm going, oh, okay, this guy's nice. <laughs> and at the end, he goes, well, it was really nice meeting you. And the voice in my head went, what? you don't want to go out with me? Are you insane? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my God. Yeah, that's very funny. I know we, we have to laugh at ourselves. We really have to laugh at ourselves and we create these hilarious, you know, fantastical stories about life and, and what's really going on when 90% of that is not going on at all. Even 10%, like you said, I really have to, I love that approach being it. Nothing means anything because we don't know. We don't have enough information to make it, to make a meaning out of it anyway. Yeah, but, but that's besides the point. It's like, it might tell you you can make a conscious assessment, right? Well, the guy didn't call me three times. Yeah, maybe he's not interested. And that might be true. He might not be interested. But the fact that he didn't call you doesn't mean, mean that he's anything. not interested. Yeah. It doesn't right. mean anything. We don't know anything. And even if we right. get information, we don't know that that's true. I could remind him of his mother and he doesn't even know it. Oh my gosh, this is funny. <laughs> I love this. This is this is really I could go down a rabbit hole with you. I could totally go down a rabbit hole. I'll come so back. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, we have to do that again. Exactly. So you know what I thought we would do? Um, I want to pull a card together with from my newest Oracle card deck, the Dreamweaver's Oracle. And it's gonna the, the question I'm asking is what does the universe or Wooniverse want me and Shelly to cover one more subject and before we close up today? So um, my oracle cards are reflectors. They're really they're ways in which we communicate with our higher power, the divine, etc. But for most part, it's the purpose of self-revelation. That's what they're for. So let's reveal what you and I need to talk about about beliefs. What else should we address when it comes to beliefs and how they impact us and our ways in which to align with our highest good? Oh. Okay, so the card is if the dogs come circling round. So this is about protection. So just the concept is protection. So let's just riff on the concept of protection as a con as a belief. Being protected, not protected. Maybe this is a way in which to conclude how everybody right now, right, is they're like getting into their little, like the polarization. We have this group here versus this group there, this group there, because we look at, oh, this will protect me if I stick close to this thing. Like, so how does that belief, um, what if we need no protection, right? Like, what is that? Let's, let's, let's riff on that. Well, if you have... And I love this, Colette. You're so awesome. And your cards <laughs> are so gorgeous. Oh, my God. Thank you. Um, so we told my daughter, Blake, that she's protected. We actually told her that. And Blake is both of my girls. I told my girls, life is like a yardstick. Most people live somewhere in the first two feet, 11 and three quarter inches. What life's about is the last quarter of an inch. Right. I said to my girlfriend, who's their godmother, why did you not slap me when I said that? Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter was a big wave surfer in Hawaii. She lives in Hawaii. And now she wing foils, so she's not doing that anymore, thank God. But when you have a belief that I am protected you can live a big life, right? If you have a belief, I'm not safe, like you were talking about with your mother, we've come full circle, right? right. If you grow up yes. in Nazi Germany, you're not safe. The world's not safe. 
and there's survivors. We we also have a friend in TLC whose parents were survivors. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they bring that into mm-hmm. your world because they just want to keep you safe because the world's not safe. Right. And you get the message, I'm not safe. And if you have the belief, I'm not safe, it's going to be very hard for you to feel protected. And you can do all the spiritual stuff in the conversations and the, you know, but you have to get rid of that belief by going and doing however you do it. I'm going to give you an opportunity to eliminate a belief for free. But when you go back and you look at the fact that your mother said life's not, you know, the world's not safe could mean that. But another interpretation is in Nazi Germany, the world's not safe. In my universe, in Marin County, you know, I live in a bubble. <laughs> the world, right? <laughs> the police here don't do anything but give tickets. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing ever happened. <laughs> so if you look at one interpretation is maybe her world wasn't safe. It doesn't mean mine doesn't have to be. Right. right? Or if you were come from an abusive family or parent, you could say, "My, it wasn't safe in that house as a child, but that doesn't mean I can't create safety of being mm-hmm. around healthy, functional people. So right. after you look at other interpretations, if you get, I never, it feels like I saw I'm not safe. Right. But did you ever see that? Right. Right. So I, I saw I wasn't safe in this house with my father as a child, or I wasn't safe in Nazi Germany as a kid. But where was who I am is not, will never be safe. Mm-hmm. That yeah. in your mind, you made that up. Mm, I love that. I love that. I know the, I'm going to read you what this says too. Divine protection, a sense of safety despite chaos, a loyal people and staying true to your values. The idea that turbulence, chaos, any of this stuff that we see around us doesn't mean anything. And on that that note, I love this. Right? That was good. Oh, my gosh. Okay. To learn more about Shelly, the Lefko Institute, and all of their offerings, please head on over to lefkoinstitute.com. She's got phenomenal. You're going to give us the The link. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The link. Yeah. We're going to put the link in there where you can get a free, uh, a way to get rid of one limiting belief for free. It's fabulous. The book is fantastic. You're going to get everything in the show notes. You can find a transcript of this episode, quotes, links to everything we highlighted here today and so much more on the show notes page. So go to itwpodcast.com or click the link in this episode's description. Eliminate beliefs, eliminatebeliefs.com. Eliminatebeliefs.com. So let's say that again, eliminatebeliefs.com. Run, don't walk, just jump on over (laughs) to that link and uh, have some fun because it's amazing. Thank you so much, Shelly. It's such a wonderful breath of fresh air to have you and I could talk to you for literally hours. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, everybody. So what did we learn today besides literally everything the entire time? (laughs) It was one big, fantastic workshop. I loved the part when she talks about making meaning 
you know, that we, we want to make something mean something, but it has no meaning in its own inherent existence. It may matter and has consequence, but it itself has no meaning. Now, I thought that was fascinating. I'm going to spend a lot of time about that. But also that our beliefs really do impact our reality. And that is the frequency that we put out into the world. What we believe is what we see. It's not the other way around. We see it first and believe it. No, what we believe is what we see. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Colette Baron-Reed. Be well. Time to share the way we love Become the ones we're dreaming of Inside the Wooniverse is a production of Wooniversal Network Studios. A special thanks to our recording engineer, Chris Dupuis, executive producer, Connie Deletti, story editor, Julie Fink, and audio post-production by Lonnie Carmichael. Original theme music written and performed by Michael Seifert at Summa Recording. Original music Truth Begins is by Colette Baron-Reed and Eric Ross. And all other music is courtesy of APM Music. Keep up to date on episode releases, giveaways, and special offers by signing up for Colette's newsletter at itwpodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us next time for another episode of Inside the Wooniverse, a podcast brought to you from the corner of Fringe and Maine.